0: Hey, what's up? This portion of the podcast is brought to you by NYVarsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV. This is episode 54 of the Option Podcast. I have Fallon Fanoi Moana, and the episode starts right now. This is episode 54 of The Option Podcast. I have waited patiently for this young lady because sometimes people got things to do, but if I keep pressing, I'm going to get what I want because for you people out there, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Coach, player, professional, extraordinaire, Enigma, Fallon, Fanoi Moana, what's good?
1: you thanks so
0: much for having me <laughs> she's like you know i just woke up right jay <laughs>
1: no i didn't just wake up i just your energy is a whole other level so i gotta like have a whole practice before i have that energy
0: <laughs> yeah we, so before the podcast we had a little mini conversation about like how stressed out the current climate from covid all the way up to um Black Lives Matter, all the way up to the social climate, all the way up to maybe even maybe even politics and how certain politics politicians hijack the narrative um, has stressed people the f out. And I this morning I was at an emotional low, and I was hoping my intro I could like fake it till I make it. <laughs> you did a good job. Yes. Yeah, so job. Um, I'd actually want to start just on a volleyball perspective because it's easy for me to work into it, so people don't tune out. You were training for Huntington in the spring, mm-hmm. right? You were training for mm-hmm. AVP. Who who um, who was your partner
1: Karen at the time? Quiggle. Oh, Quiggle. Yeah, Ooh. Quiggle was my partner. Yeah. Jeez,
0: that's a that's a good upgrade. So, at what point or what were you doing when you got maybe the email that found out the 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 season shut down?
1: You know, it wasn't the AVP that shut us down. Um Karen and I after we played in our Saka tournaments had Already a plan, um, well, after I would say we committed to each other, a plan of how to do a preseason. So we had gone through months and months of grinding, and uh, we had gone to Ohio for a ADP Next Okay. right around uh, the 12th, 13th of March. And we won that, which was amazing. We um, played well. And then that's where kind of the world went crazy <laughs> during that week. I like how you said that it was literally crazy it was so crazy because we're in ohio with this pandemic that wasn't a pandemic yet because people hadn't really called it that we're home on social media we're seeing shells cleared we're seeing lines and fights breaking out and we're getting on this airplane and I'm kind of terrified. I'm terrified of being on the plane because these things are happening and we don't know what the protocol is. So I am having a scarf around. I have like my Purell on my hand every five seconds. and um, Which was a hot mayor, commodity back then. It, it was. It was. I should have gotten more. But um, after we played in that tournament, March 19th hit, and that was a state home order. And for me, that's where I talked to Corinne. I was like, look, obviously we can't train. We can't do a lot of things right now. Right now is a time that I have to think about my family. So that's where I kind of halted everything. And um, it was really weird going from, I would <laughs> wake up 6.30, then have lifting from, you know, 7.30 all the way to about 10.30. Then I would practice at 11.00. Then after practice, I'm going to my rehab stuff. So like I was in a full board, you know, structured schedule. And then ADP, I want to say, I want to say like April kind of said something like, hey, we're going to have to be tentatively rescheduling things, which was the first Huntington. We're going to reschedule to the end of the season. Then it just kept getting more and more emails of like, we're going to cancel this event. We're going to cancel this one. It just kept going and going and going. And things were just getting worse in the world. So for me, I have not played since March, but uh, actively been working out at at home in the park, going to the green belt when the beach was open. I was trying to you know go to the beach down there, but I mean, life is just different.
0: Yeah, man, it really, really is. For me, um, at the time, my father passed away um, in February, so and um, yeah. and my best friend, my childhood friend. Um, We've known each other. I was nine years old. She was six years old. Um, She messaged me the very next day, and she's like, not that this is a competition or anything, but my mother just died. So we were going to, we all agreed to have like an ash spreading thing in Far Rockaway in Queens, which is not really, not really my hood, but... You know, as far as like just having this one place where everyone can get together, we all planned on doing that and there, and everything just got shut down. So I never got a chance to bury my father. I yeah. never had a chance to to do those things. And, and Caitlin, who her name is Caitlin, she lives in, I'm sure she had something to do with her, for her mom, because yeah. as fortune would have it, they, you know, the mom was in Brooklyn. She was in Queens. So that's the New York City area, you know, which, so as we know, was turning in at that time was turning into the new ground zero. Right. It was it was Washington first, like Seattle. And then Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you you were like people like if this happened to Seattle, you know, (laughs) the way people come in and out of New York. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, I got a Ooh. little note from the AVP because I'm signed, I'm registered as a coach. I worked with Earl Schultz yeah. last year and um, Jersey Jake, you know, a little dork, dork dude from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> and I've been Rob McLean's coach. I worked with him and Robert D. Aurora and, and I did some analytics okay. for Rafu. So um, so I already have my tickets for New York and all that stuff. But I knew, yeah. I was like, oh, and I had like, actually, I had a booth from my, my birthday. My 50th birthday was July. Okay. So my 50th birthday was supposed to be July 26th is a Sunday which is supposed to be the finals day for um, Hermosa so they bought okay, so is that They bought, like yeah. yeah so they bought me like it's my friends chipped in and bought like one of those one of those expensive tables like cuz mm-hmm. I knew that's whoever so I was funny. coaching probably wasn't going to make the finals but they wanted me to be there so it was great. Yeah. um Rob McLean and them guys you know I mean those are my those are my people that's that's my family okay. you know yeah. Um, so your names that you're familiar with, of course, because oh, definitely, um, Greg is, definitely, Greg is like United Nations citizen of the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, at what point? Because you were coaching Boys Club at the time too. Did, were, yeah. did you get kind of the news around the same time you were shutting you were shutting things yeah. down yourself?
1: Yeah. So I um, before I left for Ohio, um, that week was my last week of coaching for the whole spring and summer. So they kind of uh, shut it all down, obviously, because the stay-at-home order happened. And then we were just on Zoom calls because I had a boys' and girls' team. So we were just on Zoom calls doing workouts and trying to keep them engaged somehow because I know they were bored at home. So, um, yeah. (laughs) We were just playing it by ear. It's basically how it felt, you know?
0: Cool, man. Yeah. Same thing. Evolution, Duncan Avery, one of the more organized people i ever met in my life Mm um i'm honestly the only reason why i've been still still with that club is because he puts me in a position just like you where all we got to do is just coach you know so you got good program directors that handle all the bells and whistles and take care of the the other you know one of the bigger um for the people listening because we have a lot of people that aren't into volleyball at all much less club for people listening in there's a lot that comes into play with club as far as um the not only just the tryout process and who makes it and um, the assimilation of good players, the distribution of good players, certain players want the best chance of going to college. So they got to get with this club. And then there's some clubs that have like other teams where they hire coaches that do more with less. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because you've had some talented teams, but you also had some good teams. You also had some teams where you're like, okay, this is where I, this is, I'm exactly. get, gotta get. I'm getting my hands dirty, and exactly. you know, I you know, in the midst of all these glorified babysitters, I'm I, I'm I got, I'm gonna have to do some real work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, totally. <laughs> um, hey, so for everybody listening at home, the name sounds familiar for Norma Moana. So just uh, correct me: is it a cousin or uncle? He
1: is my
0: uncle. Uncle. Okay, so that's Uncle mm-hmm. Eric you know who by the way can pass for your brother. I think um both of you guys are, are um I think I speak for myself too. I'm 50. We both, we are all aging a little while. I guess the sport does that for us. Exactly. Um and would you I know where you played, but if I got to play it like this, would you play college yes. ball?
1: I played at USC.
0: Okay, cool. As a Oppo, yeah. or middle.
1: I was an outside.
0: As an outside. Yeah. Yes platform man just gets longer and longer (laughs) Um, what was your favorite year I mean Uh, I'm asking you to turn back the clock a little bit but it is what it is
1: I mean it'd probably be my freshman year my freshman year was a a whirlwind of everything Um, I had my best friend on the team that group of girls just was family and looking back at it now um, our opportunities were endless and we could have won it all you know that I felt with that team And uh, there was a lot of uh, adversity that happened in that year, especially being beaten by Stanford two times in season in conference. And then coming back in um, the regional finals and beating Stanford, that was a whirlwind. And then having to come back and uh, in the final four play Cal, which we'd beaten two times in conference, and then they finally beat us. So it was just a a Pac-10 uh huge side of the uh bracket was us and we had to beat each other out and it just happened that we didn't get that game um but it was amazing yeah what year was that that was 2010.
0: oh that was a good year Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was a very talented team Fallon yes oh my goodness
1: wow shoot where'd you go to high school MiraCosta High School over here in Manhattan Beach
0: Nice, and that's where Uncle Eric is coaching the the, the girls' beach team.
1: Uh, he used yeah. to. He he used to be over there. I think now it is Nancy Mason. Nancy Mason's over there. Another big name as well.
0: Where did um, Eric play? He played at USC as well, there. Or... No,
1: he went to Santa Barbara.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's talking to Dane with. Um... Dan was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about their run and this and that. but And that's all I want to say about Eric because I ain't here to talk about Eric. I'm here to talk about <laughs> you, Fallon <laughs> Fanoi Um, Just going to keep doing a little volleyball before we go we go to the other because that's inevitable. Oh, you're fine. Um, yeah. You've had a mixture of different partners, all at the high level, but when you're at the high level, we all know that there levels to that too. Um, Yeah. Right, there's the AVP, you know, someone at the bottom of the main draw, you know, starts feeling himself and then he takes a trip. He takes a trip overseas, (laughs) plays some Mm -hmm. FIVB and finds out, you know, okay, I got more work to do. You played with Alexa Strange, a -hmm. very high energy partner. You played with Nicolette Martin um, and you said you were recently training with and playing ready to play with Corrine Quiggle, who I think Mm. is an, an amazing, as far as skill players go and just... Um, as far as having to deal with your partner's concern is like a luxury, (laughs) you know, it's it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Um, what, which partner have you played with that I mentioned or haven't mentioned has been the best conditioned athlete?
1: Okay. Go into more what you mean by condition physically, mentally all around.
0: Um, she, the energy level from, um, pool play. And the energy level to the semis and finals is the same.
1: You know what? Um, All of them bring so many different aspects, but if you're talking about condition and energy, I mean, Nicolette Martin and I, you couldn't tell us anything. Um, We would be hoarse and still louder than anyone on the court. or uh, Energy-wise could be so much more than just being Loud and like it could be just a shot and you felt it, or it could just be a hit or a swing and you felt it. It was that kind of chemistry, and Nicolette and I had that from I think the first game we played together. Yeah, well, some of the Um, yeah, go ahead, sorry, yeah, for sure. No, 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 you're fine. No, uh, uh, Alexis Strange is another high energy player. Um, she she will bring the energy, whether it be dancing, twerking. Whether it be yelling, you know, to cheer or it's just a really great swing and she's feeling it. That's another vibe that is amazing, too. Corinne isn't an energy base. She is more of a self-assurance and a unit type of person. As long as we're in chemistry and in sync, there, there's nothing that can stop us, really. Yeah. And there's
0: something to be said about mediating or navigating your emotionally high, emotional highs and lows. I think something we we as club coaches, so somebody, especially with 16s and above, we really try to teach these kids that big waves crash. You know, like you mm. want to be high on a play, but don't ride the wave too high because, um, mathematically, my my old coach, my mentor, Myra Trebitsch, who coached the Netherlands, won the silver and the um, the gold in '96. Um, said for every five points you get high, you're going to give up nine. On the low. <laughs> so I, I really, yeah. the thing I liked about Nicolette Martin is there's a play. There's a, there's a, a yeah, yeah. There's a shout. And then she's back. Caught that. Fish. Yeah. So, um, and to me, uh, coaching someone as a coach and as a former player me talking to the players about highs and lows really is about the personnel. Like yeah. I would never talk to you about highs and lows the same way I would talk to some other people because your wave ride, can can ride a little higher without crashing. Exactly. There's only I've only known two people my entire life that ride a wave like yours, and it stays that way. Those those people, you know, I mean, I'm I'm surprised I'm having a conversation with the same person because the other two people are not. They're a little, you know. You have to be. A, you have to have some screws loose to be to be high and stay that yeah. way through a whole tournament. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah. God, I don't know who I, I had it with. I was talking to either Theo Brunner or, or Brian McDermott, coach out of Chicago, indoor club uh, sand indoor sand coach. I said okay. the only person I've seen that started high and stayed high that you guys might know. I said was Fallon. Fallon went to Moana. So, is it something that you you? I guess my question is it's something that you see and mediate or it's something you just don't think about. That's just that's just your genetic makeup and and how it goes is how it goes.
1: You know, um Do
0: you get my question?
1: Yeah. All right. Being younger, I rode the cocky high train. So it was like, I know I'm good, I'm gonna yell and scream and intimidate you and this is fun. And then it went from there to getting a piece of kind of humble pie a little in college just because I was one of the best, but I had a lot to learn within that and it was it was a wave, right? And in that wave you're not going to go on the coffee train. It was going to be like I know I'm that girl, but you know, I might have some, you know, like you said five po- points where I'm plateauing and then go back up. Um, From there, playing overseas was um, another humble pie, obviously demanding different things, Uh, coaches having completely different styles that you have to accommodate because you're a professional and that's your job. Then going into the national team gym and just getting a complete humble pie in the face because you're not good anymore. Everyone's good. That's why they're there. These are Olympians who have gotten two, three Olympics, maybe even, you know, four.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I probably probably of two. Exactly.
1: And your coach is the biggest, you know, um, legend of them all. So, you know, going through that wave, I, you can always ask anyone who's played with me or who really knows me is that I'm super humble now because I realize the wave and who I am and I know that I'm confident within myself. But the biggest thing is to make sure that my partner always knows I have their back. So it's like a wave of my confidence and assertiveness with telling my partner, because I cheer just as loud for my partner as I do for me. If you know that I have your back, there's no one that's going to be able to touch you. No one, because at the end of the day, we have each other's back.
0: It's the best teammate ever, dude. Sorry. Yeah.
1: No, you're fine. No, no. But you know, that's just my, you know, perspective on it. And that's how I can ride that wave is because I know that what I generate makes the other person better.
0: Yeah. I um, I had a friend like that, Bernard Norman, a kid, dark-skinned kid from Harlem playing volleyball, mm-hmm. got in the volleyball. That's watch, awesome. Watch that's v- awesome. beach videos of St. John Smith. And then coming up in high school, because you know, New York has a big immigration population. So mm-hmm. like you know, Kojak who played for Creo was my French teacher in high school. You know, and he holds power volleyball classes. So, so yeah. I think as far as us, maybe not finding the best athletes that play the sport because the best athletes don't want us to play football, basketball. You know, New York yeah. is basketball country. So, yeah. Um, in fact, like eight the top eight high schools represent like eleven percent of the NBA's talent right now. You know, two private and six yeah. public. So, um, but awesome. this kid from Harlem with. Sinjin as his inspiration, a beach player, an indoor, an indoor uh, guy that played for the Puerto Rican national team as his coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Lori, it was Chi De, if you know Camille Camilla or Chi Di those old school girls, the, Helena, mm-hmm. they're all New York people. And they, those, those are the people that taught this guy how to play. But I brought him up because I ended up playing like co-ed with him and eventually like men's and eventually mm-hmm. like Central Park 4s was a big thing. You know, how like 16th Street 4s yeah. is a big thing. No, Mm -hmm. nope, nothing in comparison. There's nothing in comparison (laughs) to watching concrete, like asphalt, disappear and see. It's like Manhattan Beat Sixes where you don't see the sand anymore. You just see bodies and you see the court. Bodies everywhere. Central Park (laughs) Fours was even more so because it wasn't this, this secluded area. You had to walk to to get to Central um, Park. People are walking by, don't even know about the sport. Just see this crowd, and they think maybe a fight happened, or the, you know, or the police, are the, and they come. and I'm like, wait, it's just a bunch of crazy Dominicans playing volleyball. But the yeah. line I want, I'm going to skip all the way to the end. The line that I always like to use is if he says, "If I talk." Sh- back me up <laughs> exactly. and he was percent. so every time I see you I think of this guy because if I got a block he was in my face it didn't it wasn't uh it wasn't this i love me some me thing even though that's there yeah. too but people think just because someone someone loves them some me th- they automatically thinks you don't love him some you too Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but you exactly. god you reminded me so much of him and I, I really hope he's watching this and he he's a musician now he left volleyball or whatever and he's doing f- short films and he's got one of these voices and oof, what um where'd you play overseas
1: I played in Puerto Rico, I played in Poland, I played in Korea, and then um, shortly went over to um, Italy, and then um, back to Puerto Rico, and then I ended my career, Mm -hmm. and retired.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like, as far as beach volleyball is concerned, that, not when you found your niche, but... but because, like I said, we were talking about there's a, there's a level, there's open, but there's also levels to open, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Last year, I'll just throw you a mm-hmm. scenario. Last year, Austin, AVP Austin, mm-hmm. you make the AVP semifinals with Nicolette Martin. Now, mm-hmm. for the people listening at home, you don't. No matter how who shows up for a tournament or who doesn't, you have to chop down a tree or two to get to the semifinals. And I think you, Definitely. I think you had you ended up. um I thought I for a long time I thought Betsy and Emily had your number, but you beat them that day. You beat them, I think, two one or two sets to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was fifteen eleven game three though. But um Yeah. Would you say the volleyball that you were playing in that time period was in your mind like, okay, this is this is where I'm leveling up and now and now now, now I got new things to worry about. <laughs>
1: You know what, uh, I go into every tournament, like I'm going to play that much volleyball and I'm going to play that level of volleyball. Now, um, that particular tournament, Nicolette and I had gone on a six week, every weekend gone of, uh, travel. So we were doing three Norseikas, Huntington and Austin all in that whole weekend. I think we had one weekend where we were practicing, but we were still training, um, so th- that weekend was super special just because it was our last stop of the whole six weeks. And what's funny is we actually came from Cuba that weekend. That's before. right.
0: Was that North Rica? Yeah,
1: that was North Rica. That's right. And mm-hmm. we had just gotten a silver there. We went from Cuba to Orlando, got stuck in Orlando due to thunderstorms and lightning, and um, was there till we got out So we left Cuba on Monday. We were stuck in Orlando till Tuesday afternoon and our flight was Wednesday morning from LAX to Austin. So I think we were home maybe 12 hours. So, you know, that was a lot going into it, but I think it was good for us just because it showed us a little bit more adversity. It showed us how to get through things a little bit in the different side of volleyball. And I feel like our rhythm was still there, you know. When we got there on Wednesday, we practiced immediately. So that was the huge part because I have a friend who lives in Austin. So we just went straight to the court right after the airport. So it's like we never skipped a beat. But, I mean, that level of volleyball, like you said, no matter who is there, we literally had to play our butts off. We, we, we had no excuses, no time to chime in. And, you know, we, I worked my remedy. Sorry. Sorry, we're back. Can you hear me? Sorry.
0: Yeah, got you. Um,
1: I worked my recovery uh, remedies because I'm a huge recovery person. We had the hypervolts going. We were stretching. We were making sure we are drinking gallons of water. The chamber. You know, like that was, <laughs> yeah, that was to make sure that we made it through because, you know, obviously those other six weeks weren't as long as this in the sense of stretching it out days-wise and the competition wasn't as high level.
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah, wow. What, are, I mean... I, every tournament, like if I'm not there, if I'm not coaching or whatever, what I do is I take a particular team and I just follow and see how far mm-hmm. they get And Austin, you were the team I was following. Um, and yeah. Just because, so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, there's certain players you respect. Like, I mean, we're players and we're professionals, but we're also fans of the sport. Like yeah. you're you're a fan, might be a fan of some people. Even Phil's a fan of someone. I'm a fan of someone. Exactly. So there's certain people who I respect, and there's certain people. Like you and I have, I have more respect for you because, um, even our disagreements, we, were, we there's a it comes from a certain place of self honesty. It's like okay, exactly. all right, you're off your rocket, Jay, but I see where you're coming from, and I don't agree, but exactly. and we can't not be friends. With that. so um, <laughs> so I followed you in Austin, and you know, for example, I followed Eric and Bill. And Manhattan Beach, Bill Kalinski and Eric Baranek, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they beat them. Um, they two three of the teams I was helping prepare, they went against all three of them in a row. They beat McLean, Rob McLean, Rob De Aurora. Um, I got dumped by Jake and Earl at that tournament. Um oh. yeah, I got dumped in that tournament because they were a P1440 and mm, Arturo was there. So, you know, have Arturo for free or or have to pay me. They 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 made exactly. a decision. Normally for <laughs> listen, for the people on the outside looking in. Okay, he's Brazilian, he's P1440, you're going to choose Arturo, but from, from my, for the people looking closely, Arturo didn't do video, uh, um, video room analysis the night before, two nights before. Arturo didn't right. set a path of, of possibles, um, Arturo didn't have a list of four things, four or five ways to beat this team, or four or five ways that they're going to attack you. You know, so, you know, sometimes coming in and being Brazilian uh, is not necessarily the best qualified. Does he have more beach coaching experience? Yes. But was was I the best man for the job that day? That's also yes. So that's why I thought they made that mistake.
1: You know, Jason, you have to let us players go through a realization series. Yep. Because up into this past year, I had not paid for coaching at all. I'm I, I know volleyball. Don't get me wrong. No, of course. But I just didn't feel like me investing in something that's not making me a lot of money yeah, no, right of now is yeah. something that I can do. Now, obviously, free is great. Free is like the first. Oh, you want to coach me? Sure. You know, that's something. <laughs> you know, like. Mm-hmm. But if especially if they're good and they have a good um, reputation, but it took me up or into sponsors. going into my third, fourth year of my fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um to say, okay, I'm going to pay you this amount of money. I'm going to make sure that um, like Corinne and I had like a calendar Uh together, you know, and in the calendar, we're both working out at this time. We're both, you know, at practice at this time. This is the other workouts I'm doing. This is the recovery we're doing. Like we literally planned all that out, but you have to realize it takes us a lot longer to think, okay, I really need to invest because realistically, I don't think that we would have one the way we won in ohio or the way we won in um uh it was dominican republic and jamaica yeah the way we won meaning the process of it i don't think we would have gone through adversity the way because we beat the cubans twice but it's the way we beat the cubans because the cubans are are the raw raw high going over going to yell at you and you know it was the steadiness, it was the reps, but we had to realize that. And, you know, obviously realizing the worth of a coach is a huge thing, you know, because at first you're like, oh, well, I know volleyball. I'm super, you know, me, I, I'm confident within myself and mentally to get through things. But just knowing that you're on the same page with someone because of coaching is a whole other level. And sometimes that takes people five, six years. Sometimes that takes people three, you know, you never know, but it's hard. And sometimes they got to take that humble pie of, damn, I should have had Jason,
0: (laughs) you know? I don't, I say with a heightened level of certainty based on, um 21 years of coaching experience well more like five on the beach so i'm just gonna say that yeah 30 years as an indoor and outdoor player myself grass beach whatever that they had a better shot of beating bill and eric because bill and eric went from the qualifier to the semis yeah mm-hmm. they had a better chance of beating them with me than with our that was the only thing i was trying to say um no, totally. i had rob i was coaching both robs against bill and and whatever and sometimes better teams win sometimes you can coach things yeah. and you can maybe take a set so i I knew how to beat them for one set and we did we beat them we beat we beat um Eric and um and um sorry Bill, the first set but then they cracked Got the it. code they cracked the code they they yeah. they they you know they had a really good coach um um I think it was jjT Livingstone. You know, JT? It was me against JT that day. And JT, JT, whatever, he cracked the code. And and sometimes these game threes come down to, like, Bill hits cross court, you know, three-quarter shot, it goes in. The next play, DiOrora hits cross court, it goes wide. Bill hits another one in, next play, DiOrora hits one out. You lose 15-11, that's
1: it's a good
0: game when you're two two evenly game. matched teams right the guy that misses two and the guy that hits two is going to win so mm-hmm. exactly. um so they won and then the final round of the qualifier they played Jake and Earl and they okay. beat them 2-0 but then the first round i was doing analytics for rafu they had to play rafu and ed <laughs> and then i the, rafu and ed won that and like eric yeah, is like i don't want to fucking see you anymore <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? I thought you liked me. I thought we were friends. Why is it every time I see you, you're fucking uh, doing shit for yeah, the other team. That. But it was I so impressive that. that they lost in the first round and all the way from the um, contenders semifinals. And those yes. teams, they were beaten 2-0. Ricardo yeah. uh, was 2-0, uh, Brunner and Hayden was 2-0, uh Case yeah. Beer and Shock was 2-0. So I felt good being the, I mean yeah. for for my own coaching ego or whatever just totally. not validation cuz I don't, I'm I'm just I'm 50, I don't even care about that anymore. <laughs> you know, I can I cared about that when I moved here, you know, but exactly, I cuz exactly. you know, you come and people don't, you know. That's another it's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. I, um there's certain people that got me to just stop hating. Um, there's Greg Faulkner, Wendy Jones, maybe you and one of the two other people, but I talk to them a lot more. But the point I was trying to make was your point. Like beach is a unique sport because the person coaching you doesn't even have to have more experience. They just have to have fresh eyes. Like Jason Lockheed, do you think Jason Lockheed has more experience than Phil and Nick? (laughs) No, short yeah. answer, no he yeah. doesn't. Do you think Rich Lamborn has more experience, beach experience than Taylor Crab and Jake? No,
1: <laughs> no. No, not beach, but other things. That's where he brings, I've been coached by yeah. Rich, so I, I know what Rich mm-hmm. has to offer. He has a really good eye, just like you said. Yeah,
0: uh, and IQ, that was the point the I was trying to huge. make. Yeah, No, because yeah. there are people that have more beach coaching experience than Rich, and Rich is still a better coach. <laughs>
1: yeah so that's why i was saying
0: beach is a unique sport that as far as like time in that person doesn't have to be have gray hairs and and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and be old and you have to fucking bow down to them and and respect them and respect their pedigree and they haven't even done anything yet you know that's so more it was more of a compliment to rich you know but it was more of a testament to the point um that you and i think oh yeah so that's pretty cool all right fun question I asked okay. everybody this question and I don't mean to be like Aaron Wexler, but I promise you, but I'm like Aaron Wexler. I'm not going to ask you the same question three different ways. <laughs> I'm, I'm having, fun so with, having fun with him right now. Um, uh-huh. At what point there, was there a particular tournament and this is just for, um, actually, no, 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 no. Let's go indoor. Was there a particular okay. tournament or a particular high school match or, uh, you know, or, or something to that degree where you left the match? Or left the tournament, telling yourself, and you told yourself, "This is who I am. This is what I'm probably gonna be." And and I think I could do this this esh for real.
1: Ah, uh, you know what? There was me. never go back with me, girl. Mm-hmm. I know there was never like a tournament, or well, no, I'll go back. I knew. Let's say we'll go to college. We'll go to college because I always wanted to be a professional athlete. I always wanted to be in that limelight that my family has been in forever. I knew I was gonna get there, I didn't know how, but um, I'll say after we beat Stanford at SC, I was named uh, regional MVP for the uh, Dayton finals, and I was a freshman, and that for me, cause there's certain games that you just play out of your mind and that was the game for me i played out of my mind i couldn't even tell you what was happening i was such in a tunnel vision in a whole different world and um from there i was like yeah i'm i'm i want to get it all i want to be the best volleyball player in the world i want to do all that and that's where kind of that moment kind of hit me um but younger I always had the confidence and the demeanor to get there I just didn't know how it was going to happen
0: so there wasn't like a particular
1: no I didn't have a particular moment other than that one time yeah Yeah. okay it was like it's like a fire burning inside you just got to keep putting accelerant on it you know and that was the accelerant that made that flame just go super high
0: yeah no no doubt no doubt I think um I uh, Talked to John Maroney. He, he had kind of a similar thing. It was just one of those things where he just kept going at it, and and that happened. That happened on its own. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. a particularly de- defining moment. It was an accumulation, if that's what you're saying. Am I right? Exactly. Ooh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Jason, haven't you been listening to me? I just went to this host. <laughs> didn't you just hear a word I just said? <laughs>
1: Here, let
0: me drink more coffee so my words sound <sighs> better. And I got and I got more of this. Oh my god, there we go. <laughs> ah, <laughs> exhale. Exactly. So um I think amidst this covid climate where every it's kept everybody in house and um it's made us hypersensitive to other things. Totally. That certain people, there's a category of people that were hypersensitive before COVID to certain things. And there were certain things that made people more aware because they ain't got nothing to do but sit home and watch the news and get the shit scared out of them. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'd like, I don't want to do a timeline thing. I want to start from the present. The last couple of days, or the last week, um, I had a podcast called Sports Debate Tuesday. And Rob okay. and I were reflecting on um, the post that Carrie Walsh made. All right. This this is the mm-hmm. elephant in the room. Uh, oh, do we, do we do we sidestep that? No, we don't. That's this is Fallon freaking Phenoma One this. And this is Jason DeBeas. We, we don't yeah. we don't have backpedals. OK, so but we I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah, I um Rob was disappointed that of all the things that she could have used her platform for because she's been pretty quiet. Uh, as far as saying anything and the one thing she chooses was this was disappointing Mm -hmm. my opinion was and I'm going to give you the floor because you know I could talk all day and I'm sorry about that Um, my opinion was she it was a long post it was two of them I think it was broken into two pieces I kind of understood where she was coming from so part of me thought that it was unfair that some people took two or three things and use it as a straw person argument for her overall point. But then when you read it again, it's the straw man argument was the, I think the straw man argument was the overall point. You know, originally I thought, Hey, um, who, who is not for, I mean, the way she was posting, um, uh, I think she's trying to put everybody in everyone's shoes. Who is not frustrated that we have to wear a mask? Who doesn't want to just, freaking rip this thing off and just run through the supermarket and go, ah, you know, I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't feel that? So I think the thing I got from that, and I just want to talk positively before I I go the other way. The thing I, I, one thing I got from it is she's conveying a sentiment that we're all just, we're all feeling, we all want to do that. And where the grounded foundational disagreement comes from is doing this is only an act of bravery to the person thinking selfishly. This is just my take. I'm not speaking for you on this one. Right. It comes from a place where where someone's making it about themselves and how they feel. And though you appreciate yeah. that that self sentiment because that self sentiment uh, echoes echoes what a lot of a lot of other people feel, there is something called physical. There's something called um indang- Your freedom and your rights which she was huge on, freedom and freedom, um, that is okay, you could be free to do whatever you want, but the con- there is a condition, I don't know if it's in fine print, it cannot infringe on the upon the safety and the freedom of other people around her. And that's where right. I thought she was gravely mistaken in this post. And I thought this is where um, there were some people who were respectful and there are some people because certain politicians hijack the narrative for everything. You have a, right. one or two politicians out there that hijack sports, sports, totally. politicians, politics and sports never was the one thing that brought whatever mixture you are. You have black, half Samoan. I'm half black, half white. I got some Indian yeah. in my family. Uh, you know, um, the, that's the one thing that brought us all together. But now that in this climate that certain politicians have made it together, we're forced to speak on these things. So my you have my sentiment right now. And I, I I, I, I can go on and say the same thing five different ways. I don't want to do that. Um, you posted something and the floor is yours.
1: Um, I'm going to start off with respectfully. Carrie has been in my life since I was, I want to say like five years old. So Carrie and I have had a relationship for a very long time. And for me, she is a pillar in my volleyball family so having to go through this is a lot and um with that i i have looked up to carrie for a very long time i have been compared to carrie when i was in high school which was an honor and i have come to her for advice i have come to her for so many things along with her husband i have and still have love for that family same but Unfortunately, it took me a while to respond and it was kind of like you were saying hypersensitive in a sense, just because, for example, I felt like my family spoke about something without thinking of their family. Does that make sense? Yes. I felt that they were speaking on something without looking at the overall and how this could affect their family. Now, granted I'm not their kids, I'm not their blood, but this was something because I have so much love for them and respect that I felt was very misused. That's the words I'll use. Now, obviously there are a lot of things that people have to realize come into play. Like you said, all of us are going through the same thing. All of us probably don't want to use masks. I don't like masks, but at the end of the day, I know that my family, because I'm a mother and because I am a high risk person, because, you know, I didn't play AVP. I could have played in the AVP if there was no COVID-19. I chose to not play because my son and I have asthma. I chose not to play because my household is high risk. I chose to make that decision and sacrifice, which I can live with a thousand times over. So for me, I don't think she realized who we really are as professional athletes. As a professional athlete, we live to different standards. As a professional athlete, we are looked at differently. As a professional athlete, we are the mentor that is the sounding board for a lot of boys and girls for as a professional athlete for her at least i'll say this you have had generations grow up listening to what you have to say
0: close to three generations
1: close to three generations so for me when i heard about the post i didn't look because it i don't ever think carrie has said anything that ever offended me ever Either it's silence, like you said, or it's something super positive and loving and, you know, something about her kids. And those are things that I love to see. So when I read it, I felt a certain kind of way, but I was like, you know what, maybe I'm reading too much because I'm going through a lot of emotions, that not just about COVID. Maybe it's me. Waited to the next day. And it was the wording for me that really got to me, that really just struck a nerve where I felt someone has to say something who is of stature, I'm not of anywhere importance that she is, but I do know that my voice does matter. And I do know that I have to get this off my chest because I know there's other people that feel the same exact way, but are scared to maybe confront her, stand up to her, whatever it is. But look, I'm black, I'm Samoan and I'm white. How we deal with things, even if you are family, even if you're a closest friend, you've been in the family 20 years. If you're wrong, you get called out. We talk about it and we get to know each other's point of view. And I still can disagree with you, but I'm going to call you out on your craft. That's it. And that's how I was raised. That's how I coach. That's how I am a mother. That's how I am as a spouse. That's how I am It's your DNA. It's my DNA. So- for me to respond in the way that I did came from hurt. It came from hurt, that's where it came from. But I still had to tell myself to be respectful in the way that I'm gonna get my point across because there's a lot of things that were said in her post and there's a lot of things in the past months that were said by other people in her family that offended me as well. And you know, not going into that too deeply because I and I have conversations with my significant other about it because obviously I'm hurt by it and I don't want to be the pillar or the person to beat someone down or tear a family apart or even opportunities. But what people need to realize is that people have been fired for less. People have been ruined for less. And the hypersensitivity that I had, I had to kind of get in check and talk to other people about what it really meant for her to say that. And is it just naive or is it selfish? Is it naive just because she's using her platform? Or is it just selfish that she's just saying that it's brave? Let, now, me, let me stop you, know, you right
0: there. Could it be both? Go ahead.
1: It, and that's the thing, it could be both. That's the thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I usually I just kind of throw it up for like, well, who cares? Or, well, I don't know. But these are things that I, I had to think about for the last week. And um, Jen Kessie said something really predominant for me that made me just say like, this is exactly how I feel. As brave as she thinks she was, I think she should have kept this in her diary, or kept it to her closest family and friends. And not use it on a platform that she has of millions because hundreds of thousands of people have died. People have lost their jobs. People like me who cannot play because of these things because we have a family and because we have to make sure that our health is okay have lost opportunities. Granted that was my choice but these are things that are domino effect from this one thing And for her to say it's freeing to not wear a mask, but make sure like she didn't, she kind of had like a hypocritical moment where she was like, but if I offended anyone, like I'm really, it it is, it has felt like it kept going back and forth. And then for me, the the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, I would have respected her a lot more if she didn't apologize. Because that apology I did not feel was sincere. And I would have respected that you stood your ground and I was still disagreed, but obviously I don't feel like it was sincere and I didn't feel like it came from her. I think it was just forced because of sponsors or, and, or other people. And I would have respected her 10 times more of this is my ground. This is what I'm going to stand for. And yeah, you know, take me for who I am.
0: Very, 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 very well said. Um, um, Back to my end. I am not as close to Kerry as you are. Um, I think it's safe to say that I'm a hell of a lot closer to Casey Jennings than I am to Kerry Walsh. Casey Jennings, um, when I moved here, I'm visiting MiraCosta. I'm visiting Redondo. just want to see what everyone's coaching situation is. Um, to my ego and to my credit, never never bent my values or, or tried to suck up to whatever and this and that. Um, this man saw a video, YouTube video I put up at Huntington. Rafu Rafu, and um, um, Kevin McCulloch against um, Shalk and Pretty, which, by the way, was a qualifier match. <laughs> okay. Best, best yeah. qualifier match I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like the way I was talking to some people next to me, and the way, you know, people were trying to haze me a little bit. And I was just like, yeah, whatever you say, you know, and they're like, oh, go Yankees. Exactly. And I'm, like, I'm like, why don't you go yank these? So it was one of those things where. I was my own person, but I was still a volleyball guy. And when he saw the video, he said, that guy's got balls. I want to call him. Mm -hmm. I got P1440. Um, I know he does color commentary, you know, because I did it in New York with Patrick Dietz and some other people. And he auditioned me in Vegas, the the tournament in Vegas, the FIVB Vegas. And then, which I financed most of that trip because it was an investment for me. It was just a chance I wanted to take. Um, and I, I even left LMU. Like I was with John Mayer at LMU. Um, and then, um, but when John Mayer retired from playing, I was like, yeah, good, take your Betsy, take your Mansfield, <laughs> and go win a WCCs." Talking. But um, I passed, whatever, passed the audition. And then two months later, I'm doing all of Pepperdine's home games with Dodd, with Hav, Travis Muir, with a Rob Sparrow, who we all love. Freaking mm-hmm. savage. Talk about a real savage, mm-hmm. dude. Um, called the Big West Championship. You know, Todd, Cal Poly. Finally got one over on Hawaii, beat him for the, yeah. the Big West. Call that match. And I am eternally grateful for this man that did not know me for a can of paint, but also knew that real recognized real. So the emotional pain and the surprise and disappointment uh, uh, that you conveyed is is echoed by by my my, my sentiment and my long soon to be diatribe. Um, I talked to Casey before. The first thing you want to do is you want to reach out to someone before you start talking about it, because in my what I'm doing right now for the podcast, my general rule is you might not talk to me, but it doesn't mean I won't talk about you. <laughs> so you you got I'm giving you a chance. You got give me something, please, before I, before I draw my own conclusion. So so yeah. um, it's a lot about it's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's pretty much online with what you're saying. You know, it comes yeah. from a place. I do think there is some level of regret um, that she hurts some people because if you you know Carrie long enough to know that her heart her heart hurts when, when other people hurt, no matter how yeah. close she is and how far. So I'm a little mixed on the authenticity the apology, although the timing of it, and like you said, and what's at stake, uh, just... You know, yeah. if, if I put my nose closer to it, maybe it doesn't pass my sniff test, you know, yeah. but but I don't really, I mean, I might disagree with you on that in that sense, just because of what I know, like that she knows if she hurt people by saying this, right. she truly is sorry. But there are some people that um, I'm not saying you're wrong either, because we'll never really know we can't, exactly. uh, we're not, we're not inside her head, but, and I probably would refer, refer more to you because of the length of time you spent with her. Which is infinitely more, than significantly more than time than I've ever spent with her. So, um, but there are a lot of people saying, "Hey, that—that's your energy. You keep that. Don't apologize. You keep yeah. that. What? You keep that same energy." Um, I love. And this isn't a question, this is just a statement that you can follow up on. I love that your your diatribe and your critique of this, this thing was it didn't come from this disrespectful place. There are the reason why people don't want to post Fallon is because there are Kerry um worshippers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to people that are, that are going to post because they worship the ground. She walks on. Oh, dumb comment. She went to Stanford. What do you know about smarter, dumb? And I'm like, yeah, dude, you're an idiot. OK, my wife disagreed with her. My wife went to Harvard. So let's not yeah. get into this educational dick measuring contest, no, please. No. So um, I like that yours was respectful because it is risque because you have seen some of the posts that. Go further than you. Oh, she's she's a bitch. She yeah. only cares about herself. Yeah. You know. Oh, she 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 really didn't want a response to the post. She just wanted to post just so people could hear her roar. She, you know, I mean, and 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 yeah. then on the other side, oh, what do you know? She's done this. She's done that. And then, of course, politics hijacks it, right? Because if you know that she voted for a certain candidate, yeah. uh, the, the received opinions, and you see it's littered social network. Care. yeah um, fallon it's literally we don't need the russians we don't need that's no. our, we don't need the russians to interfere we it's littered one side to the other with received opinions so yeah. if someone knows you're voting one way you're gonna have a bunch of people that are gonna be like fallons right and for, for you personally for what i know about you you're like thanks but no thanks Hear what I'm saying, yeah. then form you and I don't yeah. want your support. No thank, I'm no, I'm good. That's not that's not the kind of backup I'm looking for here. Exactly. And exactly. I'm really hoping that Kerry does the same thing because there are a lot of people that voted for the same person she voted for. You know, she's yeah. she's she's a staunch Republican, and that's okay, right? I mean, whatever. Bush had more balls than brains, but <laughs> but but I don't think he. You know, I mean, I thought Dick Cheney hurt more people than he did, so and got rich from it, but. And she's unfriended me a couple of times because I, I, I speak my mind. But um, I guess the point I was trying to make is if you can say that's not the kind of support you need, I want her to be more explicit about where her comments yeah. came from. And, and I want her to denounce people who are, who are, who are, who are vilifying her and, and denounce people who are vilifying those people. Who are coming after those people? Like or people like you who have a view yeah. and a, a, a view, by the way, that everyone everyone thinks the same. Th- I'm, I'm yelling now. Everyone thinks the same thing, but they just don't. Like you just said, they're scared yeah. to the post.
1: Yeah, you know, when I said that I was going to do this with you, I kind of went back and forth if I wanted to talk about this. But the big thing is, I don't care who she voted for. I don't care where she lives. I don't care. We never did, right? And any of those things, mm-hmm. yeah. I I just want the carry that I know and love to come out in that post, and I don't feel like that was the carry that I know and love. You know what I mean? I I feel like just like we talked about, COVID has an interesting way of bringing a lot of things from inside out, or everything coming in, and whatever it is, you know. I I want to make sure that. Tearing down a person for what they view is not okay. No. Tearing down a person for who they vote for is not okay. Now, thank you. Have po- politics gone a lot into the, the world right now? Yes. And to be honest, I don't know why, and I don't care to know why. I don't care if you're black, white, green, purple, whatever you are. I don't care for who you vote for. What I care, if I really am trying to get to the depths of you. I wanna know that your morals are correct. I wanna know that you know what right from wrong is. I wanna know that you care about people's lives. I wanna know that at the end of the day, how are you gonna protect me like I'm gonna protect you? That's it, you know? And you know, the big thing, you know, just to end on Carrie and Casey, I still have a a tremendous amount of love for that whole entire family. When I had my son, they were there for me. When I, they still love my mom. But at the end of the day, these are things, just like I told you, on who I am. Maybe I'm not ready to talk to them right now, which I'm probably not. I think I need to. I think it's going to happen. No, no, no. It's going to happen. But I know I need to save my space right now mentally because there's a lot of things in my life that are going on. Meaning, I mean, Black Lives Matter to social justice to COVID to I mean, mental health, which I'm mentally sane, but I mean, we go through exhaustion trying to be strong. Strong people have a lot that go on their shoulders because we have to be strong for others. And, um, you know, I know it's going to happen because that's, that's what you do in a family. You fight and you come back together, you talk about it and you love each other again. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I hope that people understand that my comment was not to bring her down like other people's comments were it was just a place of hurt. That's it. And I I don't respect hurt at all because hurting someone that you love and demanding that, you know, they do something to make it better is not how it works. When you hurt someone, you are supposed to be the person that goes out to make sure that they're okay and say, I love you. And I didn't mean that, you know, to hurt you in that way. And this is what I was really trying to say.
0: Yeah. And I think we as human beings have to get back to that where where like you said hurt hurt is a real thing. Allow yeah. these things to come full circle to come back. Um to quote Joe Rogan, who's one of my favorite podcasters in fact. I'm doing a podcast cuz of him in fact. The style is in fact uh, a lot, uh, very much the same. <laughs> to quote him, um just you grow up with some people and as you grow up your friends have crazy ideas. You mm-hmm. don't uh, but you still love them the pieces. He says, "I have friends that have some insanely crazy ideas, and I still love them the pieces." You don't, we don't divorce our friends for differences of opinion. We we do divorce our friends for if there's just a general lack of respect where, where something uh, seeps into that relationship where you think just because someone feels a certain way they can't be a friend anymore. And for those kind of friends, okay, that that is what it is. Which I which I'm glad you pointed out because I don't think that's that's the case here. I'm still friends no, with Casey. I don't either. Casey's Casey is no. Casey is Casey. He and I, we had a grumpy old man argument where I was like, "Fuck no," and I'm like, "Man, fuck off." But at the same time, we're not like unfriending each other. We we had a gr- a grumpy old man argument. Good morning, mm. asshole. Good morning, dickhead. You know, whatever. So um, so it's one of those instances. And again, I'm not using your relationship with Carrie as, as a comparison to yeah. mine with Casey because it's um, we've only known, known each other for a short time, but allow it to come full circle because the people we we know and love are, are still there they're mm-hmm. still there okay they just you know maybe we're a little bit far gone maybe they're a little bit far gone allow these things an opportunity to come full circle in these this, this ridiculous climate which in this this what you and I can definitely characterize as an unforgettable year <laughs> exactly. just we could exactly. just way we could just year. we could Exacting just year. cross this off jason hall just posted yeah. <laughs> That's Jason, Jason, you just come on the show next week because we got stuff to talk yeah. about, okay? <laughs> but I really, really like the way you, you said that. And um, you mentioned a little bit about BLM. Um, and I think, I just want to point out to everybody, my own opinion, I think it's not a political movement, no matter who tries to, try to hijack it. I call it yeah. a humanitarian movement. I think the idea of Black Lives Matter in its purest form is, is super necessary. I think mm-hmm. the certain chapters, there are certain chapters, like BLM condemns violence, they've been pretty adamant about that they posted in June, they posted in July. And there are certain people carrying flags that actually are rioting and are committing violence. And I want people to, to think for themselves, and, and this is an example, and then the floor is yours. You can yeah. support the concept of Black Lives Matter. And if you see someone with a BLM flag committing to violence, it doesn't mean they, they share the same sentiment that, that you do. That's one. Uh, two, anyone that thinks it's OK to, for a law enforcement officer to get shot, say good for him. You know, we can call it even. That's not that's not the no. way to go either. Well, I mean, no. um, Martin Luther King said an eye for an eye leaves both people blind. And you and I, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. You also appreciate Malcolm X because without Malcolm X, nobody appreciates Martin Luther King. Like if Malcolm X mm-hmm. tells you, if a cop takes a shot at me, I'm gonna shoot back. <laughs> that's not that's that's called intelligence, right? And exactly. but it takes someone like Malcolm X for everyone to come up and say, Malcolm, how come you can't be more like Martin Luther King? <laughs>
1: exactly you know what i'm
0: saying so yeah so i just as far as this movement for black lives matter and it's very important because a lot of people again when politics starts to hijack the narrative they make this yeah. illogical leap that oh this person killed someone that's they're, they're they 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 they're blm so that means that blm believes it's okay to kill people that's i want people to think for themselves uh, the same way okay. you condemn white supremacy and kkk rallies who lay claims to Christianity. Who, who lay claim who lay claims claims to to whatever right there there's a group of people that are fighting for a statue to stay up and if you don't want them and the KKK to be considered in the same category and a lot of people do but don't you think that fairness has to work both ways um, Totally. yours um
1: first there are opportunists especially in the very beginning of protests that started into the rioting and looting now in the majority of all black lives matter protests we have had more peaceful protests than anything else those and i'm going to call it small just because i'm relating the protests to rioting there has been so many more peaceful protests than there has been huge of rioting and looting this is not 1992 rodney king where I don't even remember how many days I had the facts before, but it was not that many days of burning buildings and looting and violence happened. With all of that, I am a Black Lives Matter advocate to a certain extent, but I do not support violence. Do I think that we were in the news more of our our cause, our issues more when there was looting and violence and rioting, so much more. People gave us the time of day on the news when violence was happening, but they won't even put our protests on the news when it's peaceful.
0: Which is 97% according to the ACLU.
1: Yes, and that is my problem. People got so mad at Colin Kaepernick for choosing a peaceful way to stand up for this years ago. I think we're going on five years. Yeah. Five years ago yep. for taking a knee, which respectfully, what did he do? He asked someone in the military, what would be a respectful way to peacefully protest? Yep. And he told him to take a knee. Yeah. He does that. He loses millions of dollars, his opportunity as an athlete. He lost everything that he had trained for probably to when he was six years old. Six years old, he probably went from six to, I don't even know how old he was when he got out of the league, but he chose that time to sacrifice everything. But it's not enough. Going further into that, we're in the NFL and NBA. Most recently, it was the Chiefs against, um, Texans. I believe, the Houston Texans. And they chose to peacefully hold hands in the middle of the field And they are booed. They're Mm. booed in the stadium. And I see so many more people on social media. Oh, I'll just not watch the NFL. I'm just not watching the NBA. Bye. (laughs) Bye. And and for for me, it really comes down to, well, we see what our worth is. You care about our talent, but you don't care about our humanity. You don't care about what we're going through. You just care about if we score touchdowns, if we, you know, score baskets, if we get the points. And that's the problem is you guys cannot have your cake and eat it too. We are human beings that ultimately you can say, oh, well, we get paid so much as professional athletes, you know, our tax dollars, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, but for you to feel entitled to say that to us, at the same time, you were not there as much as we sacrifice birthdays, holidays, time with our family, a way to train and to sacrifice our bodies and get hurt to make it to this point. Because as much people want to you know, go into how much we sacrifice, we have gone through trials and tribulations. In college, while you were partying at frat parties, what did we have to do? Uh, most likely, we either had to study, train, be out of town. We had to play a complete or have a complete job of our bodies. It was a 12-month experience. Seven, seven to 12 hours a day. A 12-month experience, right? Yeah. Not just exactly. in season
0: for everybody, just just, just no. to draw a picture, of Fallon.
1: All year long. Yeah. All year long. We're constantly lifting weights, practicing, having to go to tutoring, having to go to rehab, having to go to class. It's a complete different life. It's not like we get treated. Okay. You want to say, well, we got a scholarship. That's great. But nothing in life is free. We are cash cows for a university to make more cash. That's it. And the great thing now that's happening. And I am really proud of these athletes are standing up for your rights, standing up for who you are telling people that my life matters because at the end of the day, There is no one with your platform that's going to speak up for you unless it is you. Now, I've had a hot and cold feeling about people not choosing to play versus people choosing to play during this and what the impact is. Mm -hmm. Now, I watched Hard Knocks um, with my significant other and a coach said the best thing that really stuck with me. It was
0: Coach Johnson. We need
1: is that that who was he was talking about um, he was talking about. We go out there, we win and make a bigger platform and have these types of games and make these interviewers ask us these questions so that we're putting it out there even more. I love that. That's that's where I come from. I love that a thousand percent. In the NBA, I loved how every single question was answered with social injustice, either quotes or say her name or whatever, because at the end of the day, squeaky wheel gets the grease always and if you get annoyed enough because our lies are so annoying to have to publicize that out every single day something' gonna have to be done mm-hmm. well for me
0: you you said a lot of things really quickly. Colin Kaepernick wasn't looking good back then He's looking good now okay? Because now it wasn't popular to do that Now it's popular More people are worried about their bottom line But their bottom line has changed as far as making money Because more people support exactly. this Which is why now you even got Jerry Jones taking a knee Because his bottom line's changed The owners, they're going to lose some exactly. fans But the fans that are inspired, they're getting more fans back We're going to talk about this on Sports Debate Tuesday Actually in like three hours, me and Rob The second thing is I wanted to put this <laughs> quote up And you've seen this quote because I, I got this from you this is ryan clark um and yes. this is the sentiment i wanted to talk you we this says everything we need to say about um the the, the Texans chiefs game. He says, if y'all are linked up to breast cancer, uh, they're going to clap. If you link up for autism, they're going to clap. You link up to honor veterans. They're going to clap. This was the kindest, most thoughtful, thoughtful, sweetest way to protest or demonstrate. And people still booed. It is Mm absolute. I was sickened. I'm stressed from this. It's I'm sickened. That's the, the, the second point, the third point, which you talked about use instead of boycotting on a general level, my my most of my life, I identify with being black. Flat. I'm a, I'm a kid from Flatbush. I didn't even see a white faced was with you know whenever. So, yeah. I never saw a social situation stop a black man from going to work. Okay. Right. For some so for for people like LeBron James, where they can wait this out because they're part of the percentage of the MP, <laughs> NBA players that don't have to deal with yeah. more money, more problems. He um you know he gets to do that. So I'm glad they they continue to 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 do that thing because the there's a huge following of african americans who need that form of escapism not to mention getting a social network um or not the social network their social um or, or not social humanitarian message across I get yes yeah. I, I hate gotcha. saying social <laughs> hate that so um i totally agree with you on that and i'm i'm glad like you said that you conveyed that these people are putting their bodies out and i and i co-sign with you and when i, I convey, convey my personal disgust that uh, these people are booing just for a bunch of people locking arms all right. Exactly. Um, there are people that are going to kneel for the anthem, right? And there are people that are going to continue to stand for the anthem. And for the people who think they should kneel, I'm sorry, free speech is a double-edged sword, okay? It's exactly. sharp on both ends It exactly. ain't just sharp on mm-hmm. one end. You know, that person standing has got his hand on the person that's kneeling. That's still brotherhood, exactly. okay? Uh, still brotherhood. Um, which you were talking about, the veteran that talked to him, um, that told Kaepernick the, 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 the respectful thing to do. He didn't just, yeah. he's not just ex-military. He's a member, I don't know if he's a ranger, or I don't know what he was. I think he was a ranger, I wasn't was sure def- the correct He was definitely a member of the spec ops community. So he didn't just mm-hmm. serve, <laughs> he, he no. served. He, so, yes. so getting that advice from someone, respectfully taking a knee, um, and the level of outrage they had from that, and the lack of outrage they have from from people dying on the streets, um, is something, we it would be p- podcast malpractice for us not to mention that. Jason's like, you're gonna get, let Fallon talk. I'm like, Jason, why don't you listen to the whole podcast? Listen to the whole podcast That's for a change and, and see the distribution. But no, I get what you're saying, Jay. It is I invited her, man. She definitely got to talk more than me, so. so. Um, no,
1: you're fine. I think another mm-hmm. thing I wanted to add into is, I, and I'm gonna say it, I'm really sick of people, when a black man or anyone gets mm-hmm. shot the first thing they do is look at their past. Yeah. The first thing they do is look at their record. And all I have to say is their life still matters. Put them in jail. Put them in jail. I would 10 times more want that person in jail because you know what? They'd still be alive. Their kids could still visit them and have a relationship Mm -hmm. in jail. They would still be able to have a life after that, but it just makes me sick. It it, it really does. When the first thing, and usually it is a white person who does it is, well, you know what? I can't believe that Black Lives Matter, you know, supports a rapist. Well, it's an alleged racist. He's paralyzed from the waist down and he's still going to have to go to court and probably go to jail after this. Because of what he did. But he didn't deserve to be shot seven times.
0: And the person doesn't know a rapist when they see one. It's not like the cop knew a cr- I mean,
1: all these crimes. Exactly. Sorry. Man, you were rolling. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Mm-hmm. Other thing is George Floyd. People, oh, well, he had a counterfeit $20. I don't care if it was a counterfeit $50. I don't care if it was a counterfeit $100. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, he would have had to have his day in court. He would have probably gotten jail time, not probation, and he would have gotten out because his daughter now has no father, no father at all, because that cop chose to keep his knee on his neck for too long.
0: Close to eight, close to seven no, minutes at close, least.
1: Close to yes, yeah. and, and no one chose in that whole cop group to say stop, and that's the problem. Also, I'll go into this, is yeah. I, I have police force in my family and I respect them and I've had conversations with them. And the number one thing that people need to stop doing is blue lives matter.
0: Okay. Cause no one says all first lives all, matter when they say blue lives matter. No, How many people say all lives no. matter when you see blue lives matter?
1: No. The first thing is, first of all, you choose to be a cop. You choose to be blue. We don't choose to be black. We're born black. Now for other people to put out, well, for, you know, people to just maliciously tear apart the police system, I'm sorry, but it was going to happen. It was going to happen. Whether it be us or not, there are a lot of flaws in the police force. And obviously, are we making up these videos? No, but there are some bad apples in a lot of places and a lot of good apples are not keeping them accountable. They're just, oh, well, Hopefully you don't get too much, you know, administrative leave or I'm just not going to touch that. No, touch it. Make these people accountable. Get these people out so that the good ones are the ones out there on these streets helping our people. 18. How complaints. do you expect people? Go ahead. Go 18 ahead.
0: complaints. The guy who killed George Floyd exactly. had, had 18 complaints and still had a job. Now, exactly. if I'm a cop and if you're a cop, don't we... Go to go to this guy, or at least some kind of chain of command, and say, "Can we do something about this before maybe this guy gets someone killed?"
1: Exactly. Just and hy- it seems it seems like people think we're attacking in saying that you know for another thing, we're attacking the police force, but to a certain extent, where we're trying to get change, defund the police. That's a huge thing. Huge thing. Oof. yeah. Defund the police does not mean we want no police. No. What <laughs> defund the police means mm-hmm. is there is, we'll, we'll talk about Los Angeles. There is a billion dollar budget. Billion with a B, not M. Why do they need that much? They don't. They can do a great job with some money cut out and given to schools, given to after school school programs, mm-hmm. giving to communities, giving to housing. There's so many more things, and that is what we're talking about, defund the police. Do I think we should have had a different slogan? Sure, but you know what? Tomato, tomato. At the end of the day, what does it matter Does a different if slogan get the only... attention? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So th- that's another thing that just people just go on this whole thing. And it's so funny to me also that people will research a candidate. Research a proposition. Research a what's we'll the a cause that they really like, but they won't take the time to really research what these things are and speak about it. First of all, I've always been a huge person. If I don't know a lot, I won't really speak much on it. I'll just say, you know what, I really don't know too much. But or, yeah, or at this least I feel is a right now on the information I have. Right. Exactly. But. At this point right now, so many people are speaking on things that they have no idea. They have the, and if they have an idea, it's based off of, I'm sorry, but their race, their mentors, their social group, instead of the getting the real information, because there is no one that can tell me, because we have a lot of educated people who are out there speaking in public telling you what we are saying, telling you, and we're posting it, but you still want to disagree with us, which is fine. But you cannot speak on something that you really don't know about unless you wholeheartedly go into the details and say, you know what? I still disagree with it, but you know what? I see what they're saying. No. I have not heard one person say that because they don't do the work. No, and That's another thing that, you know, a conversation that I've been having with a lot of my group, It cannot be blacks telling whites how to feel, how to think, and how to handle themselves. It has to be whites holding each other accountable. White on white. You guys have to hold each other accountable in actions and in spaces when usually you might say a racist joke and people may laugh, but that one friend is going to say, you know what, you have to stop. That's not okay because it escalates from that to this. I grew up out here. I was the outcast because I live in a rich white neighborhood. And you could see me walking down the street and know that, oh, well, that's that tall girl who plays volleyball at Maricosta. Why why am I the tall black girl? Because there's not a bunch of us out here. No. But the mentality out here needs to change because I'm sorry, but a lot more blacks are educated and have more money. A lot more Mexicans have education and have a lot more money and businesses out here. Yeah.
0: All right. Hey, um, people apologize for technical difficulties. We're back on the air. Fallon Fanoi, Moana, episode 54. We were talking about, we left off. We were talking about um, our, I'll say our resentment of examining the past history of the person who got shot um Mm -hmm. and we can we, and i agree with you I, i think it's very unfair for someone to rationalize shooting someone in the back because they think a cop knows one when they see one because someone did something five years ago or someone is um and you know possibly facing trial for like a um not a major crime, not a high crime. Domestic abuse, to me, should be a high crime, but um, if we're going to talk about the legality or examining the the victim's past, we have to keep all of these things into account. So um, BLM, we were talking about Black Lives Matter. We were talking about how we support the movement and we support the athletes. And Mm -hmm. um, if there's anything you wanted to add to the the end of that, because we we were on a roll before... Yeah. Um, COVID difficulty just, happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you're fun. I think just ending with those, uh, a few statements, and I've, I've said this in several interviews, but I just have to reiterate it. Um, you know, I think I'm going to add one other thing. You know, I've had difficult conversations with my family because I am mixed. And a lot of my white family has no idea what I go through or what my son's going to go through or what my significant other goes through. My Samoan side, My Samoan side who lives in Hawaii has a completely different lifestyle because they are the majority over there. There isn't that many whites that live in Hawaii. So I've had to have several conversations with them and let them know your posts hurt. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care any of those things, but you need to realize that you have family here that goes through being oppressed on a daily basis. They go through their lives fighting every single day to be heard, to have a voice, to be able to have people even listen. So that's a huge thing that I think I want to add. And another thing is, you know, I don't think enough families re- realize, especially parents, you know, when you, uh, I'll say for, you know, if you're a mother who is white or of a different race and you choose to, you know, have a baby with, a Black man or vice versa, there comes a lot of responsibility with that. And that goes on you. As a parent, you need to know what your kids are going to go through. As a parent, you need to be able to look your baby in the eye and say, look, there are these things that happen in the world and I'm going to make sure you know how to handle yourself, which we're always going to have to have that conversation. But you need to be able to you know, do X, Y, and Z. Whatever you choose for your kid, you know what I mean. Because there's a lot of choices we have to do. I have to do it with my child and my future children. I'm gonna have to do it with my family. And the big thing is, I don't think that me using my voice is going to change generation higher than me. I hope that it changes the generation of my age and younger.
0: Well, that's that's what that's, that's, that's what I gonna really be around.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I really focus on because. After my age, you're, you're stuck in your ways and you feel how you feel, and you're going to listen. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter. And the people who are trolling blogs and trolling Instagram and Facebook are the people who are older than us.
0: Isn't that crazy? Isn't and, that crazy? It's not
1: the young ones. It's not the young ones. Mm-hmm. It's all of the older group.
0: I agree. Yeah. And as a general concept, you have enough. Um, Volleyball fame and notoriety to, to exercise the number one rule of don't feed the trolls. Carrie Walsh, mm-hmm. we were talking about her or whatever. Um, I actually said on my last podcast and I actually told Casey, I know this goes without saying, but don't <laughs> feed the trolls because there are people out there that have some intelligent things that, that you need mm-hmm. to hear and co disagree when we can all come together. I want exactly. to finish this podcast by saying I really love the conversation you had with Wendy Jones. Um, because it was two people that come from two different perspectives uh, where yeah. Wendy actually admits her lack of understanding. And that's the kind of person I want in my life um, that just admits percent. she's flawed and, and really just wants to learn more and wants to understand more. And I do uh, want to finish lastly, because we said something about white people educating themselves. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of uh, white whisperers, man. You know, ain't nothing wrong with a couple of white whispers because the last thing we need is for a bunch of white people to examine a black problem and a bunch of white people to get together and say, "Okay, this is how we're going to deal with that problem," and not have any black input because that kind of that level of oppression was generated in the first place by a bunch of white people who got together and agreed to to call someone a nigger, to call to do this, to whatever. So, so the last thing we need is, "Hey, boys, let's get together. We're going to decide on how we're going to treat black people." No, (laughs) white whisperers. I know you hate yeah. it, but you white people have a career. Black people have a responsibility. It is your responsibility, black men and women, to occasionally white whisper, especially if someone comes yeah. to you. You know, totally. I, be- I know it's frustrating because we, black, I'm black too, uh, and um, so many ways. We think that they should know. We think that they should do their own research, and that's where the frustration comes from. But this labor of love, you got to whisper. That's that's how I wanted to end.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I want to end on is um, it is technically, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. It's not their fault that they're this way, but it is their responsibility to be informed and knowledgeable. It was not them who started the oppression. It was not them who had slaves, but it is their responsibility to now change because obviously things have not changed a systemic racism And uh, I mean, social, there's all of the racism, let's put it that way. And in order to do that, the the thing that you're describing of White Whispers, we need allies. And if you don't know how to be an ally, ask. Ask, Mm. how can I be an ally to you? How can I be better? And that's exactly what Wendy Jones is, is a person who admits the things that they don't do, but how do I be better? I'm learning more, I'm having more conversations with my kids. That's what needs to happen. You know, that's what needs to be taken more seriously is, and this is something that I don't attack being a parent because being a parent is so special, but it starts in the home.
0: Your parenting
1: is crucial on the future. And this is why I chose to be so strong in my beliefs and making sure that I go out here and I use my platform and my voice to inform people It's because my son is going to be bigger than me. My son is black, my son is Samoan and my son is white. My son is beautiful and everyone loves him right now. But what's gonna happen when he's 14 years old and he's bigger than me, is he a threat? He's a threat just because you see his skin color? He's a threat because he's black? No, no, and I don't want, my child right now and my future children to say, mommy, in 2020, what were you doing? What what happened? What did you do to stand up? Or I'm going to say wholeheartedly and feel it. I stood up and I fought and I educated and I pushed people to the limit that they had to understand that we need to all be equal. And I can say that and die tomorrow because I did it and I'm continuing to do it and I'm using my platform in this way. And was I out there in Um, protest? No, I was not. I could not be. We're in a pandemic. But you know what? I chose in every platform that I could reach and touch to make sure every listener that I could heard one or two things that we need to do to be better.
0: God bless. There's so much I wanted to say after that, but this in this country, in this country, you talk last, okay? Yeah. I got I got Wendy Jones on Wednesday, so that's gonna be a lot Perfect. of fun. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this. Got sports yeah. debate Tuesday on a little bit later, and um, I think this is where this is a great great time to wrap up because okay. I will not keep a woman from her food. I know I know the rules. <laughs> I know better, okay? I, I know yeah. I already know yeah. the rules. Um, so for everybody listening to this. Fallon Fanoi Moana may love you, but I've had it with you, okay? So for everybody at home, for everybody in your iPad, at Starbucks watching this, everybody on your iPhone, everybody on your Droid, everybody on your desktop who runs the world, old school, old school. For Fallon Fanoi Moana, this is episode 54. I am Jason DeBeyus, and I say, we're out.